I wonder if you've ever felt sad at Christmas um, or lost or, or worried or scared or angry or betrayed or regretful or confused. Because for Lucy, Peter, Susan and Edmund, they were feeling all of this. They're placed in Narnia. They had faced family breakdown, betrayal, fear for their lives. The evil presence of the queen surrounded them and sadness for the innocent creatures and new friends they had made. As I thought about one of these great classic stories of our time, um, it, it made me begin to think around Christmas. It's, it's often a confusing time for uh, many of us. Um, it's, it's this annual time that, that comes um, and it brings this anticipation in all of our years, but it also brings um, preparation towards this huge day with family and food and presents and more, yet it also represents um, the end of a whole calendar year and all that's happened in our lives. Usually throughout your year, there's, there's certain highs and then there's these lows. There's laughs, there's joys. Then there's, there's moments of breakthrough. And then amidst that, often there's times of heartache. And as we come to Christmas, we're often filled with this whole array and as I thought about this story to begin with tonight, um, and just this one tiny moment in the story of the Lion, Witch and the Wardrobe, Father Christmas arrives, a controversial character for the world, a liked and loved one, um, but an uncertain one um, for what that looks like for us as, as followers of Jesus. But in the story of Narnia, Father Christmas comes and he's a signpost, a signpost to restoration. He brings these gifts that have prophetic power that end up being the perfect gifts for each one who receives. Not only does, does the gifts come, but Santa brings this fresh wave of hope, a confirmation that the king, that Aslan is truly coming back, that he is going to sort out Narnia and he would once again bring victory and peace to the land restoring the faith of the Narnians and ultimately bringing the defeat of evil, the removal of winter and the harmony of Narnia would be restored back to peace. As I pondered over tonight what, what the Lord was wanting to say to us as a church and as a family here gathered on the night before Christmas, um, I had this sense that um, there was a refreshing, a refreshing yet again for us in another year of the truth that the king did arrive. He was truly born into this world, into the earth. He was both fully human but fully divine. And he, he offers us today always fresh hope. And more than that even, a constant relationship with God, with the Father, with heaven. And so the sense I had was that tonight there's, a, there's another moment for every one of us that have come into this room to become freshly aware of the reality of heaven. It's so easy around Christmas to have our eyes downward and to have our eyes on the earth. But I truly believe what happened over 2,000 years ago around abouts was that heaven truly came to earth in a, in a, in a new way that changed everything forever.
And if we were to yet again have our lives impacted by that reality, it would, it would propel us this Christmas into something special, but also in the weeks ahead. So um, I've got two key moments in, in the passage. I'm going to ask Anna to come up. She's going to read Matthew 1, verse 18 through to 2, verse 13. So if you want to pull up your Bibles, she'll be reading from the Passion Translation. You can jump on that if, if you have uh, version app. Otherwise, you can just listen or you can follow along in NIV. Um, but she'll be reading from the TPT. Um, so over to Anna. Thank you. This was how Jesus, God's anointed one, was born. His mother Mary had promised Joseph to be his wife, but while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Her fiancé, Joseph, was a righteous man full of integrity and he didn't want to disgrace her, but when he learned of her pregnancy, he secretly planned to break the engagement. While he was still debating with himself about what to do, he fell asleep and had a supernatural dream. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a clear light and said, Joseph, descendant of David, don't hesitate to take Mary into your home as your wife, because the power of the Holy Spirit has conceived a child in her womb. She will give birth to a son and you are to name him Saviour, for he is destined to give his life to save his people from their sins. This happened so that what the Lord spoke through his prophet would come true. Listen, a virgin will be pregnant, she will give birth to a son, and he will be known as Emmanuel, which means in Hebrew, God become one of us. When Joseph woke from his dream, he did all that the angel of the Lord instructed him to do. He took Mary to be his wife, but they refrained from having sex until he gave birth to her son, whom they named Jesus. Jesus was born in Bethlehem near Jerusalem during the reign of King Herod. After Jesus' birth, a group of spiritual priests from the east came to Jerusalem and inquired of the people, where is the child who is born king of the Jewish people? We observed his star rising in the sky and we've come to bow before him in worship. King Herod was shaken to the core when he heard this and not only him but all of Jerusalem was disturbed when they heard this news. So he called a meeting of the Jewish ruling priests and religious scholars demanding that they tell him where the promised Messiah was prophesied to be born. He will be born in Bethlehem in the land of Judah, they told him, because the prophecy states, and you, little Bethlehem, are not insignificant among the clans of Judah, for out of you will emerge the shepherd king of my people Israel. Then Herod secretly summoned the spiritual priests from the east to ascertain the exact time the star first appeared. And he told them, Now go to Bethlehem and carefully look there for the child. And when you found him, report to me so I can go and bow down and worship him too. And so they left, and on their way to Bethlehem, suddenly the same star they had seen in the east reappeared. Amazed, they watched as it went ahead of them and stopped directly over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were so ecstatic that they shouted and celebrated with unrestrained joy. When they came into the house and saw the young child with Mary, his mother, they were overcome. Falling to the ground at his feet, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure boxes full of gifts and presented him with gold, frankincense and myrrh. Afterward, they returned to their own country by another route because God had warned them in, an, in a dream not to go back to Herod.
So I absolutely love Christmas. Um, I was pretty devastated. Went for my second annual photo with Santa today with my young little one-and-a-half-year-old, Joey, and she just refused to sit on his lap. Um, she clung to me and she held my beard. Clearly was not a fan of the white beard, but um, it, was, it was upsetting for me, but I still got a good... I was happy with my photo. But I, I just love the magic of Christmas. Um, I love all the little layers and details, the snacks, the food, the stories, the reindeer, Santa. I, 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 I believe it take it all in. And I believe it actually can evoke in a young little child up to an adult of any age, um, awe and wonder. Um, and that they actually speak into each other and that God can move through them, them all. Um, whatever we allow into our families at Christmas, I think God can use it all. Um, but I think it can spark fun and joy and wonder and, and awe. And, and then all of those things, as we begin to train ourselves to direct them to the stuff that really matters, we come into the story of Jesus and we come into the gospel and the good news and what happened um, in these incredible supernatural stories and, and um, just this incredible reality of heaven touching earth. Um, the story filled from, from the moment that Mary is to, to, be, to be conceived with a child supernaturally, without having sex, um, to the angelic visitations that, that speak faith over fear and the singing of the angels over the shepherds, the wise men risking their lives, um, and then the humble, smelly manger that Jesus is born in when there was no place for him. It's this supernatural story that we can never lose sight of, that, that, that to those that believe in Jesus... There's things that make no sense. There's things that are beyond our normal day-to-day Sydney life. And there's something about Christmas that we need to be reminded of all that's happening that's unseen. The angels that are present with us right now ministering joy and salvation, um, doing the work of Jesus amidst the Holy Spirit amongst us in the room. There is unseen beauty that, that we cannot always see in the natural But what we come into at Christmas is the remembrance of the supernatural coming of the Son of God down into earth, God with us, Emmanuel. One of my favorite pastors, Bill Johnson, he says that Christmas is to forever create in our mind the picture of the perfect cooperation between heaven and earth and between earth and heaven. And I just love that picture. That in that moment that we celebrate tomorrow on Christmas Day is the perfect harmony of heaven and earth. Seen in the Son of God birthing into humanity. Fully human yet fully divine, fully supernatural. The greatest miracle perhaps to have ever occurred. And I wanted to draw just two parts, really two key characters uh, groups of characters just in the text that Anna's read um, that, that God was speaking to me through, jo- Joseph and through the wise men. And as I looked at Joseph, um, it began to speak to me in a new light, really. Um, as, a, as a newish father, I began to look at and think through what it was like for maybe Joseph, Joseph as, as a father or a father-to-be um, as he received his call and message from the angel. And... Um, I've often spent probably more time thinking about Mary and thinking about the incredible journey of faith that, that she did and, and be- delivered the Son of God through childbirth, an absolute miracle. But in this story, we see that Joseph um, was placed in this scenario that was going to risk his whole life, his whole reputation. And he had the option. He was thinking about divorcing quietly, 
so that no one would know, so that um, Mary wouldn't be stoned to death because she was about to be pregnant. Everyone would notice it, and you, you weren't allowed to be pregnant outside of wedlock. Um, it was against Jewish custom, and she would be stoned. And so he's immediately in this awkward scenario, going to break off the, the engagement. Sorry, not the divorce, but break off the engagement. But then the angel comes and gives him this third option, which was to believe what was happening, to go with it, to follow and trust the Lord's call, to marry Mary and to, to see the Son of God be born and that it would all happen in safety and their lives wouldn't be, be ruined or destroyed. And that through his faith, taking that risk, staying with Mary and walking this incredible 145 kilometers approximately, would have taken days and days across mountains high and valleys low, all to this prophetically spoken place of Bethlehem. He, he walked that journey and there saw the glory of God come into the child and, and be born onto earth. He trusted a messenger from heaven. He trusted the angel that said, don't be afraid, Joseph. This is your call. Walk in faith. And he received it. And he trusted and he walked by faith, not by sight. And he's a model like so many of the biblical characters of the, of the Gospels and throughout the, the Scriptures of the call upon all of us to walk by faith and less by sight, that we are serving an unseen God. And as I pondered over this and, and, and the man that, that Joseph became as he stepped into his calling, I see this father heart developing in him. He walks in faith with Mary, but then what we truly see is that the Father heart of God revealed through the Father heart of Joseph because the Son of God was able to come through his relationship and the birth through Mary, that the Father heart of God is revealed through the Father heart of Joseph who trusted from God. He was trusted with God's Son. And it's through this process that we now all have heard of Jesus and have been given a picture of the Father's love. And Jesus, Hebrews says, is the ex Jesus is the exact representation of the Father and of his love. And therefore, we now know the Father. We know our Creator because of who Jesus was and the stories of how he lived and treated and walked this earth. And, and that could, could change our life forever. It would have let that sink into our hearts. He then truly became the saviour, forgiving humanity's sin and giving us all the ability to be set free and walk in freedom. More than ever, as I look around this world and as I see the statistics and the reports of, of fatherless generations coming through, uh, an epidemic of the breakdown of family, there is no greater time than for all of us in this room and beyond to become spiritual fathers and mothers across First world countries through to third world countries, there is still a great need for the, the, the beauty of, of family to, be, to stay strong. And we need spiritual fathers and mothers of all ages to walk with the young and old, above and below, and to reveal the Father's love, just as, as Jesus did on earth, and just as Joseph and Mary brought in. So I hope Joseph tonight could inspire us of what it looks like to trust heaven and allow heaven's reality to touch earth so that people would come face to face with heaven through the Father, through Jesus, through this story.
but now lives in us through the Holy Spirit. That the second part I wanted to just draw from Matthew 1 to 2 is the wise men, um, famously known as these faraway astrologers, possibly royalty, possibly kings, possibly priests. But we know that they were the intelligentsia of the day. They were the geniuses. Yet by faith, these men went on a journey for approximately around two years, they reckon. Now, in the Old Testament, Queen Sheba, she journeyed to Solomon, but she pursued the wisdom and wanted to receive that from Solomon. These wise men, or the astrologers, the Magi, however we want to call them, they weren't after anything from Jesus. They were on a journey and a pursuit purely to see the king, to come face to face with the Son of God now as a young baby, and to give him gifts. They didn't ask for anything back, and they left. They were there as an act of worship, pure worship. They wanted to worship Jesus, the baby, the child, the Son of God, for who he was. He hadn't done anything yet. He was just a baby. Yet they required nothing from him. They just wanted to see him be in his presence, the presence of, of heaven, the presence of the Father now in the Son, as a human like them, yet also fully divine. And so we see in the pursuit of these faithful men an act of worship that reveals our also call to walk in faith and worship. When they saw the star in the Passion Translation, it says that they were ecstatic, in the NIV, it says that they were exceedingly filled with great joy. The, the breakdown of the language here it actually um, refers to um, exceedingly with great joy, meaning um, excessive amounts and violent amounts of joy. That was what they saw. When this sign, this star that they'd been searching for for two years came, there was... This, this exceeding joy of, of, of violence, a loving violence and an upwelling. Uh, that's not a word, but there was something happening in them that after two years they found it and they knew it meant they were now about to meet God. They were now, after 400 years, no one has heard from God. There's been no prophet speak. Everyone is wondering, is God given up on us? They see the star and their hearts is like, this is it. We're going to see him. The prophecies are true. The child will be born. The government will increase. Peace will come. Salvation will come. And the wise men, they get there and they see this child. When Joey was born, I didn't cry when I married Emma. At the, she came down the aisle and everyone said I'd cry and I didn't. But five years later, when Joey entered the world, tears streamed down my face to come face to face with my own child. I cannot imagine what it was like for them to see a newborn Christ, a newborn God, Son of God. Yet they had the joy and privilege which we get to hear about tonight, which we get to read of these people marked, set apart by God to see and come face to face with Jesus. Whew! Amazing. Psalm 2 verse 11 says, um, it calls us to rejoice with trembling. That there's something, there's something wild about deep, deep joy. There's something that's uncontainable. And that's what was going on. 
And it's when we experience and allow ourselves to enter into the gates with thanksgiving and to find the joy, the fruit of the Spirit, that that's when the darkness trembles. That's when the light overwhelms and the darkness leaves, when we're walking in that level of joy and trust and faith and power. And when we do that, is the same moment there when Father Christmas came and brought hope that the winter would now leave, the seasons would return, the king was coming, and Narnia would be restored. And for us, the question I'm wondering is, what does our worship look like this Christmas? We might be facing a whole range of things that are blocking us from getting to joy. But joy, joy isn't a negotiable part of following Jesus. We're called to rejoice even when we don't feel joyful. And that actually the Bible teaches us that as we rejoice, we will discover the fruit of joy. And sometimes we need to choose joy to see the fruit of joy develop, even when we're facing some of the most possibly hardest and most difficult moments of our life. These men that followed for two years, that found the star, found Jesus, their trust was above, it was in heaven. And after, because of their faith for two years, they then saw heaven touch earth. They saw heaven meet earth, truly in the most poignant moment in history as the Son of God was born. Are our hearts open to that this Christmas? Have we become perhaps distant from that, numb to that? But Emmanuel means he's with us. He's still here. He has never left the night before Jesus, as he grew up, eventually he was to die on the cross. And the night before, he told his best friends, I have to leave. I know you don't understand why I'm leaving you, but I will send you another. And he will lead you to the truth. He will cover the whole earth with his glory. And his name is the Holy Spirit. He is the third person of God. And he will dwell in the hearts of man. And he will take your old heart, hearts of, hard hearts of stone and make them flesh. And he will breathe new life and he will dwell within us. And what they spent two years looking for now lives in you and me. It now lives and dwells in us. That's the kind of story I want to step into this Christmas as I step into challenging environments over the next few days with family, as I step into a whole new year ahead of me. I need to know that the presence of God lives within me, that the Son of God that came to earth still lives in me and that I'm fully set apart. I'm chosen, I'm holy, I'm loved, I'm forgiven and I now get to bring joy and peace to the coming days and the coming weeks. And so as I come into land, this story is not a story of just a baby. But as I've just mentioned, we know the life of Jesus. Some of us, for many, many years, some of us maybe just tonight coming back into a, who he was. And this story of awe and wonder that's magical around Christmas, as we get to the end of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, it, it doesn't end well. It ends in blood and crucifixion and pain and suffering and darkness. Yet three days later, resurrection comes and new hope enters and the world is changed forever. And 50 days after that, Pentecost comes. The Holy Spirit, which was promised, comes. And now we live in the age of the Holy Spirit. And we are people of the Holy Spirit. That means Jesus, Christmas, lives in us. Christ lives in us 
and we take him, the hope of glory, to our friends and family, our workplaces and beyond. And that's how we begin to find hope for whatever 2020 might bring. There's this moment that I just couldn't help but mention tonight where, where we see the divinity and the humanity of Jesus probably clearer than ever. The same way as he was born as a child, we see the divinity and the humanity as a baby. But in Gethsemane, we read that in Luke that Jesus sweats drops of blood. His friends have fallen asleep and he's pleading with God, struggling to take the burden of dying on the cross for our sins, for the evil and the darkness of the world. Yet in that moment, an angel strengthens him and eventually he prays and he trusts and puts his faith in the Father. And we see this divine and human moment where Jesus said, it's not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. And it's the most surrendering, humble act that any of us can give our lives to. That we must decrease and Jesus increases. That it's no longer I who live, Paul said, but Christ who lives in me. And Jesus gave himself up and he's now called us too to step into who he was and how we can bring salvation to the earth, how we can bring love and joy and peace this Christmas, tomorrow, in the most unlikely conversations that you might cross into in the coming days and in the weeks ahead. We owe the world. We've met Jesus. You've heard about him tonight or you've known him for years. You've come face to face and you're getting to know him. And as you get to know him deeper, the call for all of us that Jesus left was to take this to the ends of the earth, to take this to our friends, our family, our workplaces and beyond. And we owe everyone that. And what does it look like? What does it taste like? It tastes like the Father in heaven. It tastes like heaven. So we need to be aware of the reality of heaven so that we can bring that to earth so that people could encounter the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus taught us to pray this every day, that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's one of the only commands and and things that the disciples asked, how do we pray? And that's what he's told us to do. It can be worded differently in your own lives, but Jesus has told us every day to pray His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so I encourage you, draw close to heaven. In your holidays, in in, in the next few weeks, find time to, to get closer to Jesus. Come back to the reality of heaven and be inspired for the new year. Be inspired for the good things God has planned. Draw close to the promises that he's given you and trust that they will come in his time. We're going to sing in, in just a moment. So I might ask the, the band to come on up. But I wanted to share just like one story for me. Um, this is um, my final service. I've, I've been um, part of this church 20 years and, and um, on the pastoral team for five years. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's with a joy and with a mixed feelings as I, I speak tonight. But um, I could tell you a list of unanswered prayers that I'm still by faith waiting on with God but I wanted to finish with just a tiny little testimony I shared a few weeks ago of, of an update with, with my wife and, and little Joey and where our future was heading because um, we resigned by faith in September 
three weeks ago, I, I got a job out of nowhere as a chaplain in an in Aboriginal school in Townsville. So in a few weeks, we're moving to 25 hours north to Townsville. Um, one of our prayers that has almost been answered was that we might know where we could move our stuff to and where to live. Um, and, and, and amazingly enough, I only know about two or three people in Townsville. Um, one of them left our church just a year ago and has bought a house five minutes from the school. So I can stay with her for a little bit and then the family might come and join me, I hope. But um, of the other two people I know in Townsville, third hand, I get a call two days ago from a guy. Um, he's Canadian, funny voice, nice guy. Moved to Sydney, ministered in Wollongong for 11 years. Three years ago, moved to Townsville. Um, he's now ministering in Berlin, Germany for six months a year, reaching people in Iraq and Turkey. And he's telling me his story. He's asking my story. And then he tells me, three days ago, I bought a house in Townsville. And um, we're actually leaving in a few weeks. And we need someone to house sit it. And I heard third hand that you're just moving um, from your town, home in Sydney. Um, and it sounds like the Lord's in this. It's sounding good. But I'd like to just meet your wife. And maybe we could Skype on the 27th of December. So now Emma's a bit nervous that she's kind of like the final hurdle. But it's not like that at all. <laughs> But basically, I share this story because um, out of nowhere, um, this was a prayer that has been answered. Um, it's been a five-year dream that we God called us to North Queensland. But I share this because we're always, all of us, juggling answered prayers and unanswered prayers. And, and we can focus on one or the other, but, but we know that God is good and we know that Jesus has revealed that. And I guess tonight, as we're about to sing, um, I'm wanting us to sing over our hearts over one another, over this church, but also uh, over the poor and the lost and the broken and the downtrodden this Christmas. Um, and I believe this song is, is going to be just a declaration over um, all these areas. But I wanted to share a story of faith, something that I trusted for that God has answered. Um, and it's, it's part of a five-year dream and, and, and that journey I've been on. And it came out of nowhere. And um, it's brought... And we've still got areas of uncertainty and, and lack of peace, but this was a real answer to prayer, especially for Emma, um, wanting to know where we might live. And, and so it's feeling like that, that we will know that. And so you know, I wonder if you could all just stand, and, and I'm just going to say a short prayer, and then we're going to sing. But I just pray, I pray that tonight we would come back into a place of knowing that hundreds and hundreds of years when prophecies were fulfilled by the one act, the birth of Jesus. And there are desires in every heart here. There are prophecies, there are promises, there are desires in your hearts that God has placed there. And, and the Psalm 37 says, if you delight in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. And I just believe our hearts right now need to connect back to Christ who lives in us the hope of glory. The Holy Spirit, He dwells in you to those that believe He's given the Holy Spirit. And eternity is now on our hearts. And so I pray that in that place, right now we would sing about who you are, God. Who you were when you came and who you are now supernaturally dwelling in us. So God, would you lift our faith and would we trust you would we trust you, Jesus? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father.